Is this boring to you? No, I like it. Yeah, well, I love it. Everything that's good that's happened to me in my life came because of that. I might not do everything great in my life. Okay, I'm not perfect. I'm not the best husband. And I'm sorry if I wasn't the best father. But I'm good at this. Hello and welcome. Welcome and hello. This is Wait, You Haven't Seen? And it's a show where we talk about movies, and specifically, we talk about a movie at least one of us has never seen before. I'm your host, Travis, a.k.a. TV's Travis, and this is episode number 123, and our movie this week was 2014's Chef, and here to talk with me about it, he'd seen it before, but I had not, Vincent Minucci. Vincent, how you doing? Hey, doing all right, buddy. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad. So you were familiar with this movie. Um, We kind of talked back and forth uh, you know, hey, what would be a movie you'd want to do? And and then you mentioned this one, and I kind of jumped at it because it's one that I've wanted to see, and somehow I missed it. And there is no reason for me to have missed this movie. I love John Favreau. I am a big fan of um, cooking shows in general, and like cooking, I, I enjoy cooking. I enjoy uh, food. Nice. Anybody anybody that's ever seen me can tell. Uh, I've definitely got uh, body by, uh, you know. Body, body by, by bread. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah. uh, for some reason, somehow, I didn't see this movie, and then it just was like one of those where it was it was always the, yeah, I need to see that, and then I don't. And right. I need to see it, and I don't. So right. I want to say right off the bat, thanks for, for bringing it up and, and bringing it as the movie, yeah. because I'll just say straight out, this is great. I really enjoyed it. I can understand Good. Good. why so many people like it, and yeah. I'm just mad at myself for taking seven years to see the damn thing. <laughs> well, it's it's one of those you know those quiet indie films that you know it's not always on on everybody's radar, you know. Yeah. And I love those. Those are some of my favorite movies. Mm-hmm. Are those under the radar, quiet indie movies that you know they, they don't get all the hype and the praise and the and and the talk. And I love that. Oh, absolutely! You know? I absolutely love that. I do too. You know, it's a movie. Like this was a movie that was about a couple of people, and that's basically it. There's there's not a huge story. There isn't even this. There's no. somewhat of a redemption arc for Carl, but kind of not. Like he just sort of does his thing. There's there's right. a little like, okay, if I want to nitpick, I can say, well, the end felt what they did at the ending felt a little bit rushed. But that's like, I mean, it's just nitpicking sure. because they did yeah. they sowed the seeds. They set up a little bit of that uh, going on. Right. For anybody that doesn't listen to this show or hasn't before, we're going to spoil the movie. Um, not that there's anything really to spoil in this one, but um, it, w- what I like about it is, you're right, it's that small indie film. And Favreau, that's how he got started. He got started in small indie kind of comedies with swingers, uh, sure, and, swingers made and all of that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So this was kind of cool to see him go back to that and because this is post um, Iron Man, Iron Man 2. So he had... Right. He had really Which gotten plays directly into this movie. It does. <laughs> Iron Man too. Yeah, <laughs> it very much does. Um, yeah. Yeah. But it, it was great to see him come back to that because I agree. Those are, are great movies. I love big bombastic films. I, I love going to see Marvel, Marvel movies and I even sit through DC stuff. I like big action, but there, there's something about a small movie like this. There was one that came out a couple of years prior that feels very similar to it about a, a magician. And I'm trying to remember the name of it now, and I can't remember. 
I saw it at our local film festival. So okay. I, I wish I could remember the name because I got to meet the director. I got to meet the guy that did oh, it. Oh, get out. And, um, oh, cool. He had done uh, all of the close-up magic that was done in the movie was him. Um, oh, that's cool. Which was really cool when he because he was super, yeah. super nervous because uh, it was his, one of his first films or like one of his first times at a festival. So he was in the green room and I'm the stage manager and I'm just, you know, down there waiting to, to get the call that he's, that they're ready to have him on. So he's all nervous doing card tricks in the green room, just trying to like calm himself down. That was, sure. that was pretty fun. But it, that, that's, that, that movie reminded me of this, or this movie reminded me of that in a way where it's just a small okay. story about a guy doing a thing that he's just really, really good at. Yeah. And in this, in that movie, I think it had more to do with his relationship with his father, whereas this is. This is much more about Carl and his relationship with his son and himself and what he does. Right. His relationship with his career. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because his yeah. career, I mean, he, he flushes his own career away and somehow manages mm -hmm. to pull out of that right. in a relatively short period of time, if you really think about it, with, with kind of what he did versus oh, yeah. how, the, how things ended up. Like, if you want to complain, if you want to nitpick the movie, you can say it's a little too Hollywood. But I don't care. I don't mind that because it told a fun story and it had characters that I cared about. There were moments in this where I was like, that's just great. Uh, so John Favreau wrote, directed, and starred in this. Yes. Um, I am, I adore him. I have liked him since I saw him in the movie PCU. Oh, yeah. Oh, I love him in PCU. I love that movie. I mean, to love this day, <laughs> I every time I see him, yeah. I, he's gutter. He's gutter to me. He's I gutter, always, yeah. always will be. Regardless yeah. of all the great things that he does, because I think he's actually a pretty good actor, too. Um, he is. And, yeah. uh, but he's he'll always be gutter. He's always that big dude yeah. with the dreads that didn't know who with George Clinton was. Absolutely. Yeah, going nuts at the frat party. Yep. Yeah. Dude, um, Jeremy Piven was so good in that movie. Oh, God, <laughs> I love he was. I love Pivot in that movie. That is that is such an underseen '90s comedy, um, yes. and you can definitely. Uh, I mean, people either have seen it and love it, or they have no idea it exists. Yeah. It's kind of one or the other, um, right? But yeah, so that's that's how far back I go with Favreau. And then he wrote Swingers, um, mm -hmm. and then he got to write and direct Made a couple years later. Right, uh, Elf. Um, everybody loves Elf. Elf. Um, Absolutely. And all that, but then he he gets perennial favorite in our house. We we watch Elf every single year. We watch it at least two to three times before Christmas. There you go. Every year, yeah. Uh, oh, uh, Dusty White mentions Pete in Friends. He was on Friends. Yes, um, he his, had his character in Friends was great. That was a great arc. That was Friends was my wife and I's like every Thursday night date was watching go. friends okay yeah because we we've been my wife and i've been together since 1997 our first date was 19 it was april 16th 1997 that's impressive and uh we high school sweethearts we uh <laughs> i was 17 she was 15 our first date was her uh her freshman formal but uh yeah friends was like every thursday night we were sitting you know in the living room watching watching friends for years so yeah definitely remember favreau as uh you know pete and uh, wanting to be a, a boxer, with yep. boxer or wrestler, boxer, boxer. Yeah. Yeah. No fighter MMA. Yeah. I think, I think so. It's been a while since I've seen it. Yeah. But, Fighting of some kind. And that's Boxing, the thing. Wrestling, MMA, something. Yeah. I mean, Favreau can pull off a role like that. Cause he's a big guy. He's a big, he is a big barrel chested kind of guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. so gutter was a, was the type of character that, that was physically imposing, just dumber yeah. to bag of hammers. 
and he's so good at that. But then you see him later on where he can play like the lovable sidekick. He did it not once, but twice in Marvel um, because he got to play Happy Hogan in all the MCU right. stuff. But people, some people forget that he was Foggy Nelson in the Daredevil movie with Ben Affleck um, yep. way back. He was the best part of the Batfleck uh, Daredevil movie because, yeah, I mean, honestly, I, I really, that, I agree. <laughs> That movie wasn't great. <laughs> the the best really parts was. of that movie were Favreau as Foggy Nelson. Uh, yeah. I loved Michael Clark Duncan as the Kingpin, but it was Michael Clark he Duncan. Was like, he and was amazing. He was amazing. They should have brought him back for the Netflix series. I can see that, but then I see Vincent D'Onofrio play that character, and I can't picture anyone else doing that version of him. Yeah. It was hard at first just... only because I mean he was his acting was amazing. His physical presence, like Danofki doesn't read as strong. <laughs> he he reads as, you know, spend a little too much time at the craft food table on set kind of deal. You know what I mean? Yes, he but pulled that, it off though. That's actually he pulled it off. That works for the Kingpin because the Kingpin shouldn't look as imposing as he is. Like he should look yeah. big but he should look big and kind of round. And then all of a sudden you realize, sure. oh, he's like ox strong and right. agile too. Right. So, but either right. way, like, and then Colin Farrell in the Daredevil movie was just fun because he, he went from oh, a, yeah. on a scale of one to 10, he was somewhere around a 17 and like yes. just overacting. Yeah. As Bullseye, he was phenomenal. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, so you got Favreau um, as an actor and then, and then writing and directing. And then he gets into mm -hmm. his big budget stuff. I loved Cowboys and Aliens. I thought that was fun. It didn't do I well. I haven't seen that yet. I need to see it. Oh my gosh, that's one of mine. That's one of mine that I need to see. So It's never on streaming anywhere. No, it, it hasn't been for a while, and it's unfortunate. The thing with that movie, it didn't do well in theaters. Right. And I think the title is what did it. Cowboys mm -hmm. and Aliens, people were like, ah, I'm not going to go see that. See, you got to see it because it does exactly what it says. It is a, It, it has aliens in the Old West. And it's right. just fun. Like it doesn't, it does not try to do anything more than that. And I loved it for that. Uh, but it that sounds was... too Sharknado <laughs> by the title. It sounds like an asylum film. It does, doesn't it? And yeah, and and it could easily have been. Um, but I just I had a fun time with it because it's just a silly premise. The basically aliens come to Earth for gold. That's right. why they're here. And didn't it come out around the same time as Jonah Hex? I think so because it was like which 2011. also didn't get. Very good. No, you know, Hex. it wasn't reviewed well. So I think maybe people some and then got confused. Like, oh wait, Cowboys and is that that's the that's that one, you know, or even Jonah Hex, that's that Cowboy and Alien one. Exactly. It, yep. A yep. little too deep impact Armageddon kind of. <laughs> it's very know. much the sister movies. You're right. Yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, he did that. It didn't do well commercially, and that was after Iron Man and Iron Man Two. So then he goes back to kind of his indie roots, and he does Chef. And yes. that sort of reset a little bit for him in, in the eyes of the public. I don't think for him he really cared uh, as much from what yeah. I read in, in interviews and, and things where he, he's like, no, I didn't go back to my roots. But for a lot of people, that's what, you know, critics felt like that. And then now he's gone on to basically him and Dave Filoni have carried Star Wars, um, yes. kicking and screaming into this this decade and have yes. done some amazing work. So. Yes. And this this movie, what I liked about it was he he wrote a very simple story about a guy 
and then he dove into it. He did a lot of research. He got Roy Choi from the um, Roy Choi, yep, uh, to be the consultant. And so, as I understand it, he brought him on initially to be a consultant, and Roy ends up basically co-producing the film, um, and taught him how to cook. So all mm-hmm. the cooking in the movie is John Favreau, and that's phenomenal because the cooking in this is amazing. Yeah, and there's a lot of it. Uh, the the this. I was so hungry watching this movie. You can't, I almost, I, I honestly, I almost warned you. <laughs> I was thinking about warning you, do not watch this movie hungry. You cannot watch Chef hungry because you will end up pausing it and making food. And, you know, it, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a great movie to watch while eating food. Like, make yourself a nice meal and watch Chef while eating. It's amazing. Well, what's funny is um, I had, uh, I, I will make up uh, breakfast burritos like a dozen at a time oh, and then nice. freeze them. So then oh, I, nice. that way I can Good just call. pop one out a night, the night before and then I can heat it up and I can have that. So I had just finished a breakfast burrito when I started watching this movie. Okay. And I'm two minutes in and I'm like, I'm hungry again. I want what he's making. Mm-hmm. And, oh, and it just got better and better. And then, of course, yeah. when he gets to the point of the food truck, he's making Cuban sandwiches and I'm just salivating. And all I can think of is I need yeah. a Cuban sandwich. Like yesterday. I need a Cuban. Yep. Oh. I'm realizing my mistake. I actually didn't eat much tonight. We <laughs> ate a very early dinner, and I'm like, oh crap! Now I'm hungry, because we ate we ate dinner like four hours ago. Oh geez. Five hours ago almost. Yeah, we went out for an early dinner. Um, there's this. Uh, oh, that ties in with movies actually. Uh, the Blob. Mm-hmm. The 19 whatever it was 50 something. You know the Blob. Yeah. That was filmed entirely in Phoenixville, which is about 30 minutes from where I live. Oh, wow. And every year they have the Blob Film Festival at the Phoenixville Theater where it was filmed. And there's like the scene where the Blob is coming out of the the theater onto the street. Mm -hmm. That's Phoenixville. Okay. So every year they have a a Blob Film Festival, uh, you know, kind of reenacting and whatnot. Well, anyway, Phoenixville now does this thing because, you know, with COVID where they shut down the main street in town every Friday through Sunday. Okay. And all the restaurants have outdoor seating in, in, in the street. Very so cool. we went, yeah, when they ate at an Italian place. That's awesome. Um, but unfortunately it was, yeah, it was like four hours ago. Mm, yeah. And so now we're going to talk about hungry. food for an hour. So yeah. <laughs> strap in. Um, One thing I wanted to say about him actually learning before I forget. Oh, sure. Like learning the techniques you see it. It, it was such a beautiful shot too where um he's doing food prep and he you see him like kind of looking around the kitchen as he's cutting vegetables and then the camera pans down Mm -hmm. and he's actually doing you know the chop and i've i've tried to learn knife knife skills Mm -hmm. like i've i've not taken a class yet but i i cook all the time i do most of the cooking in my family sure um i would say like 80 percent and my wife's a very good cook she doesn't enjoy it though i love cooking mm-hmm. i love cooking um almost as much as i love eating but uh, i have tried to learn you know teach myself basically those knife skills man i'm not i'm not even close to that nah. yeah it's that's hard uh i mean i love yeah. to cook and i can do okay but i can't cut like that i can't cut at that speed no. for no, at no all. not at that speed no um 
but I also love and he like, was like no look like oh yeah it was like the it was like you know the Scotty Pippen no look pass like mm-hmm. you like he made sure to show he's looking away into the kitchen as he's cutting and I was like you know what good on you John you know put that shot in there you get the that's that's a humble brag you're allowed sure yeah and and yeah. uh and it's been brought up in the chat but they so bring up the chat so I feel bad I can't say it so John Favreau and Roy Choi liked working together so much that after the movie was done, uh, basically they broke up for, for lack of a better term. Like they no longer were working together, but they wanted to keep cooking together. So they started a show on Netflix and it's the chef show and it's just them cooking with people. Uh, so I actually watched an episode of that, uh, earlier today with Gwyneth Paltrow and they were making a, a pepper pot and that was really yes. cool. Um, right. Cause of obviously pepper. Yeah. Pots. yeah. And, and, right. and that's just, that's awesome. Like, I love that idea that they were just like, we just like cooking together. So, all right. You know, they'll give us money to make basically a cooking documentary and they just chat and, and cook with somebody. But it was amazing to see it, the cooking done by, done by John and the fact that it's all him. They didn't have a stand in come in or anything like that. Um, it's yeah. impressive to do that kind of work and that level of detail because it's very easy, just like anything else. It's very easy when you have a specialized skill, like being a chef in a film to cheat it, to Hollywoodize it, to do something to make it not look right. And, right. you know, you see, I mean, any specialized skill, whatever it is, any sports movie, you watch the sports nine times out of 10, it's not right. It's not very accurate. Right. A baseball movie, you know, you can only get it. So, because... It all depends on the activity that you're doing, how well that films and how easy it is to film doing that. Yeah. So it's nice when there is that level of detail put into that, but it's also, it's hard to, it's hard to explain. They focused on it a lot, but they didn't talk about it a lot. So it was just sort of always there in your face, but the, all of the dialogue and all of the narrative was about him trying to find his love of cooking again. It wasn't yeah. about how to cook things. It, he was just doing that. Like, I, I don't know. It's hard to explain. But you definitely feel yeah, the authenticity it, of Yeah, him it makes sense. It. Because he was being constrained by, um, oh, what's the, oh, gosh, Dustin Hoffman's character. Oh, R- Riva? 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 Yeah, Riva. Yeah. You know, he was being constrained by him. He's being constrained to the menu. You know, mm-hmm. this works. Stick right. with the menu. This works, you know play your hits and in some ways he was being he 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 had this like kind of mixed bag of praising him mm-hmm. you know saying like you know i bought you that french cooking suite because you deserve it because you're a good chef and you deserve it but at the same time when the food critic was coming he wouldn't let him show what he can do right you know he, he yep. did that like kind of passive aggressive you know um and I mean, let's face it, we've all had bosses like that at some point in our lives that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe, yeah, maybe when you're alone, they praise you for doing a good job, but maybe then when it's in a group situation, the boss takes all the credit or, you know, or they kind of say like, no, stick to what you're good at, you know, or, or just, you know, that's not, you're, you're going a little above your pay grade now, stick to what you're doing. And yeah, it's, it sucks. It hurts. I mean, John Favreau said it and he was saying that, to Oliver Platt at that point, but he was saying, you know, you, it, it hurts, you know, it hurts us. It, it, you mm-hmm. know, you write these words and it hurts us. 
where it wasn't really Oliver Platt, the food critic. I just jumped ahead. Sorry. That's but, okay. You know, really was the the uh, the restaurant owner keeping him in a bubble, you yeah. know. And yep. I think a lot of that probably speaks to I, I, I can't I don't know. I, I literally have only met a couple chefs in my life. But, you know, those that don't own their own restaurant probably experience that. Oh, where I, the, mm-hmm. the restaurant owner is the guy, you know, the creative guy that they set the menu, they set the tempo, they set the, the theme, the scene where really the chef's calling their creative outlet is to do that Mm -hmm. it's got to kill them it's got to be absolutely you know they're obviously uh, an owner a chef owner of a restaurant can make all those calls right because they are Mm -hmm. that owner and that was right that that opening of the movie was so rough because you could tell that their relationship had changed between uh dustin hoffman's character and carl between riva and riva and carl where they started off with, yeah, you can do whatever you want because I think you're good at it. But over time, the business side of things, Revo was too much of a, this works, let's not change it. And look, cooking is art, regardless yeah. of how you want to look at it. When you Cooking at a certain level, especially, is art. And in a fine dining restaurant, these chefs are artists, right? They're doing yes. however many hundreds of, uh, of plates a night and they all have to be perfect and precise. And anybody that has any artistic background of any type, whether it's painting, whether it's sculpture, whether it's music, whether it's food, creative people can feel stagnated and they need to change things up and they need to try new things. I know yeah. that I know that I can do that. I love a good routine, but every once in a while I have to take that routine and shake it up and reorder sure. the routine and make it a new routine. Right. But it's still something new, and I, I can see that happening a lot with chefs. And a few of them that I have known, a few people that I've known that worked in kitchens under chefs or have gotten to the point of being a chef um, have definitely told me that same thing. So I, I was able to, while I have never been uh, a chef or worked anything more than like a pizza joint as far as cooking goes professionally, like I've known enough people in that world that as I'm watching that scene, I'm just thinking, man, this I can absolutely see this playing out. This guy wants to and and the fact that he knows that somebody is coming in and he wants to impress them and the owner is like no do the thing that you've been doing forever and then that's what he gets hit on that's what yeah. the critic latches onto and just rakes him over the coals about is that he didn't take a chance he did the same thing that he's been doing for years and then there's the moment at the end of the movie with Oliver Platt so Oliver Platt is uh what was it? It was Ramsey Michelle, um, food yeah. critic, which great name, by the way. It is. Yeah. They, they did it. Yeah. That was, <laughs> that was, that was, that was played very well. Yeah. yeah. Very, very subtle, John. Very subtle. Very subtle. Um, very subtle. Yeah. So at the end of the movie, he comes to the truck, but he sends somebody to get the food. So he has that moment with, uh, with Ramsey and Carl. And he basically tells him it felt like that was almost a repeat of probably the same conversation that Carl had with Riva years earlier come Mm -hmm. on to my restaurant i'm gonna let you do whatever you want so part of me was like almost like don't do it because you could end up falling down that same hole so i almost kind of want to follow up to the movie i want to i want to follow up with the characters to see like two yeah a few years down the road is it still working out or not because i feel like i feel like 
Ramsey Michelle, that was his whole thing is you didn't take any chances. I want to give you the opportunity to take the chances now that I've seen what you can do when you enjoy what you're doing. Now I want to see the continuation of that relationship and see how those two are getting along sure. because that was a, a heartfelt moment because it was basically what you told him is like, you are now doing exactly what I wanted you to do in the review when I came to review right. your restaurant. And then, right. you know, there's the whole, there's a whole deal with uh, Twitter was very mm-hmm. prominent in the movie, um, which apparently they didn't pay for. Uh, like it wasn't huh? like a paid advertisement by Twitter. It was just all, that's what Favreau says anyway. Um, right. and what I thought was, uh, kind of fun about that was, was it's 2014 when this movie comes out. So Twitter had been a thing now for a few years. Um, uh, but yeah. it's still in the like man on the street lay person. It, it was just cresting the wave. Oh, becoming yeah, definitely. like super mainstream. Yeah, yeah. And and it was it was interesting to see how like this guy who's so hyper focused on cooking and being a chef has no clue what Twitter is and doesn't right. know how it works. And that ultimately is what the the first domino is him sending what he thinks yeah. is a reply uh only to Ramsey Michelle and instead right. he blasts That's it all over the internet. Yeah. And and that was a nice payoff at the end of it too, when Ramsey is like, "Look, you started the flame war with me," and he's like, "I didn't know that anyone else read that," and he, he's like, "Well, how am I supposed to know that?" So it was this misunderstanding, and I like that because that's that's a big reason why I want that kind of follow up because Carl spends so much of the movie hating Ramsey Michelle, just just hating him and just wanting to punch his lights out. So for them to have a resolution. That was, like I say, if I'm going to nitpick about this movie at all, it's just the end kind of is a little too quick. Yeah. and But they also could have made it drag on, too. Well, oh, sure. And it was already an I hour mean, that, and 55 minutes. And, and yeah, you're, you're, dragged you're stretching. That. Yeah. At that point, at, yeah. once you hit about two hours, you're stretching what you can kind of really sit through in a movie that is a lot of talking and not yeah. like an, an action set piece or some sort of yep. epic. Right. So. Right. Um, yeah. And I'm it was not... a good way to wrap it. Oh. I mean, they basically culminated so much of the story in in what a lot of movies do as the um, once the qu- credits roll montage. Mm-hmm. And you start getting those beats like, oh, now they're getting married. And, you know, oh, this is the, you know, they did it before yeah. the credits rolled. But in that same satisfying culmination. Sure. Yeah. I, can, I can see that. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and, and yes, it definitely was rushed. But at the same time, it's, I mean, the fact that it said, you know, six months later, mm-hmm. okay. I mean, from a business standpoint, yeah, that's actually, that's about accurate for, you know, since it was already a restaurant, so it was basically just, you know, a bit of a reno and up and running. Um, yeah, I, I could kind of see that just from the time stamp of it. But um, yeah. I, I like that they, I like that they didn't do too much of a further explanation of the evolution of the relationships at the end. Mm-hmm. They just let you feel it in that final 90 seconds of, you know, the wedding party scene. Um, and speaking of the wedding part of it, you know, at the end, one of the biggest things for me that I loved about this movie, and let me caveat this by saying, I am not really a big Sofia Vergara fan. Okay. Like, I mean, she's fine. She's mm-hmm. fine. Um, 
in, and in no ways meaning to objectify her in any way, but I've never found her attractive. And I know that's like the big selling point of Sophia Vergara with how attractive she is. I don't really, I don't know. She doesn't really do anything for me. Um, I can't stand Modern Family. It's got nothing to do with her. I just don't like that style of comedy. Fair enough. Um, I have kids. I have seen the Smurfs movie probably 20 times more. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Make him a spittle over your keyboard. Um, but yeah, I mean, she's fine. I loved her in this movie. I thought she was great. And the chemistry that she had with John Favreau, especially John Favreau and the son and and her. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. chemistry there was incredible. Particularly at um um uh what's the name in the restaurant? Oye Komova in, mm-hmm. in Little Havana yeah. when the grandfather is playing and and you know the three of them are, are dancing. Mm-hmm. That was palpable that that chemistry i mean you could see how happy the the son was that his parents were having so much fun together and i mean you can almost see in his eyes like the oh my gosh he's gonna be moving back and whatnot that was incredible that was played so well it really really was no she so i don't really have strong feelings either way with sophia like i take her lever i i've never really been into modern family uh not so much because I don't like it. It just, it came on to network television after I stopped really watching network television. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those things. What I liked about her in this was I've seen her in other things where she's, uh, it's, it's too much. It's, it's, uh, it's a nine and a half. It's a 10 on the 10, on the, on a one to 10 scale. And she kind of dialed it back here. She was very subdued, but I also, you're right. Her chemistry with John and her chemistry with the little boy and, and their dynamic was great, and I liked how subtle they were with that. It was, it was all just like a little, a little look here and there. It was a, yes. a quiet moment. Yes. You could tell it was, it was done in a way where their divorce was not something that was a big knockdown drag out. It was an amicable, amicable split where they were just like, we don't, we don't get along. Like, or we get along, we don't, we're not in love anymore. But, and so I liked that because there was no animosity. It's too easy to fall into that when you're writing a film um, or a TV show where people get divorced and they got a kid and they're sniping at each other all the time. And there was none of that. They were just like, this just works better. And yeah. slowly you saw over time in their um, in their interactions, things got better. So, yeah, when, when it cut to six months later and the camera starts to pan, I'm like, oh, they got married. They got remarried. Like, that's all I could think right. of. And then it... Yeah. And I like too that it just pans in and you're just seeing everything. And then the only real indication that they got married is how they're dressed. Exactly. And I like yes, that. I exactly. liked that. It yeah. was nice because yep. it, you can you can hundred percent leave it open to interpretation if you just want to see yeah. it as a big family get together uh, type of thing. That's fine. But you know it, they they definitely did get themselves remarried, and that was cool. Right. I, I like that. And I like wasn't the, that cliche car going down the street with the cans on the right. back with yep. this, you know, just married you know yeah and that's harkening back of course to 80s comedies but, <laughs> you know <laughs> we didn't have to cut to yeah. uh six months later and they're at a chapel you know everyone's standing right. there as they're yes. and then you may kiss the bride so it was nice right. that and, would have been john hughes version yes. of chef. yeah what was great about it is it's it's very much exactly what these people would do right they would get together mm-hmm. and have a big party with a huge spread of food sure um, and you know, and and you got that nice quick little uh, moment where where Ramsey goes to grab something off the plate, and the kid like slaps his hand away. Biggie, yeah, that was you great. know that was that so was good. So good. 
It was I, so good. So I loved the the stuff with with uh, Carl and his son too, because again, it wasn't heavy handed. No, you know, the kid just wants to spend time with his dad and do stuff with his dad. And Carl's thinking, yeah, we do stuff. We go ride a roller coaster. We go see a movie. They're watching Iron Man, by the way. Mm. Um, but they, yeah. you know, the kid just wants to spend time with him. And then he's like, well, you always want to be in the restaurant. So here we are cleaning the truck. And then the kid doesn't want anything to do with it. So he sort of has to come around to that. But then he's just in the truck with him and he's working with him, which was hilarious because he's supposed to be 10. Um, and he's here yeah. he's putting him to work in a food truck. But with the police there at one point. Uh, right. <laughs> so suspend right. a little disbelief there. That's fine. Um, the, you know, I could, I could believe that. I mean, my dad owned a construction company. Um, mm-hmm. I, the first time I was getting paid for, for work was 13. Um, but I was, you know, cleaning up job sites and, you know, going on sales calls with them. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of thing. Like he was, you know, doing estimates or, the first, I, I wasn't supposed to be on the roof. The first time I was on a roof, I was three. <laughs> he had set up, he, he had set me up with some toys in the lawn and said, all right, you hang out here and I got to go up and measure. And, uh, at one point he, he looked over the, looked over the, the edge of the roof to check on me and kind of panicked for a second. Cause he didn't see me in the lawn and I had gone up the two story ladder. I was up on the roof with him. And uh, oh, man. that was the day I, I learned what the phrase, the, learned the phrase, uh, don't tell your mother. I yeah. That's yes. the day I learned, yeah. I learned that one. <laughs> But yeah, like yeah. just the the interplay with him and the kid was great because you you got to see it build over time to his realization that that he's not been great. Like it was never he was never in denial about it. He's never like, "No, I'm a great dad." He was like, "No, we do stuff, I think, don't we? I'm not really sure." And he sort of realizes that he's not, so then he he uh decides to take him with him on the trip, uh bringing the truck back to LA. And that was that was cool. That whole scene with the three of them, with him and um, Martin and his Carl Martin and uh, and the kid uh, sitting out back after their first night cooking in the truck was one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Um, where he gives him the beer, yeah. Martin Martin gives him a beer, and he you know that that scene was fantastic. It was so good. Yeah, I haven't even mentioned John Leguizamo yet. John Leguizamo is Martin. That dude Dead is on. just uh, he he has so much charisma. He is such a likable character actor to yes. see in something and in this he he had my favorite moment which is him getting out of the taxi when they're cleaning up the truck mm-hmm. because he just was like look i told you you get a new gig i'm there you got a new gig right. i'm here like that for me was all i needed to know about the character of martin yeah that told me everything about him they, yeah. his his bond with carl is family yes. and he will be there for him anytime and that was really really cool um, that was fantastic. Like when 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 Carl said to him, like, uh, "Hey, it pays nothing." He's great. I'm in. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. That was that was fantastic. Even even uh, Bobby Cannavale was fantastic. Oh, he was so good. You know, no, he, he was, was great. He was he, what I liked about him, and he was one of my uh, early on one of my favorite parts because he was you like everybody's worked with that guy. Who's good? Yes. Good at what he does? Well, not not a hundred percent there. He's not just all there. he's just a little bit off. Mm-hmm. But when it when it comes down to it, you can you can count on him. Yeah. Uh, so I love that moment when he comes out and he's putting his jacket on and there's there he is sleeping in his car, 
He's yeah. like, hey, yeah. big big day today. He's like, yeah, why do you think I slept here? Why did Exactly. Why do you think I slept here? You still shit-faced? No, chef, I'm good. I'm no, good. No, Sorry, I'm... I, I, I shouldn't have cursed. I apologize. That's, that's all right. He's like, no, I'm good. One eye's not quite open yet. Yeah, no, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm fine. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, like, nah, he, he, had, great. he had some great moments, you know, when he when when he sees him at the bar later and he's like immediately goes into apologetic mode because a chef and a sous chef, that's a that's a close bond in a kitchen. Oh, and sure. the way that things went down in the scene where he walks out and Bobby Cannavale's character, whose name Tom, Tommy was it? I can't remember his name now. Tony. Have, Tony. You know, Tony. he he sticks around. And what I liked about that was they come into the scene. He's in the bar. Tony comes up to him, starts apologizing immediately. And Carl is genuinely happy for him. Yes. Like that isn't a, that isn't a put on. That isn't anything like that. He's like, no, look, you're good enough to do this. I don't, th- that's perfectly put. I don't like the way it happened, but I'm glad that it exactly. happened. Like that was so. Yep. The line was fantastic. And that was what I yeah. liked about this movie was the characters and the relationships between them felt like real people. Yeah, it didn't feel like characters. There wasn't manufactured animosity between people um, that didn't right. need to be there. Even the relationship between Riva and Carl, Dustin Hoffman respected him as a chef to a point, to a but point. was still like, "I run the place. It's my money. We're going to do things the, my way." Mm-hmm. And it, it was a battle of priorities, basically. Mm-hmm. And when his egos. priority was. The till was, you know, was the money, was the income, was keeping people in the restaurant every day, being busy, and Favreau, you know, Carl's was being creative yeah. and exploring new things, you know, the sweetbreads. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know? um, and uh, because Riva ultimately was in charge, his restaurant, Carl had to take, you know, sit in the backseat. He didn't want to be in the backseat. You know, right. He didn't want his his priority to be made secondary, and that's what was happening. That was the relationship, unfortunately, yes. and and that was the relationship. And it it took. And there was a couple like there was a a point where John because they're talking about the the food truck, and and John Favreau says like you see me in a, in a food truck. Uh, I'm a chef. I work in a restaurant, mm-hmm. and that was the great line. I work in a restaurant. Not, I have a restaurant. Yes. Or I own a restaurant. I work in a restaurant. So even subconsciously, he was he was admitting to himself that he was second fiddle. Yep. Yes, he was chef de cuisine, but he was second to Riva, to the owner. Yes. And that the taco trucks, or the taco truck, that, that came up too between, you know, <laughs> like, hey, he's got a taco truck. Oh, that, that scene was brilliant. That scene was great. That scene was so good because Carl could have absolutely been like livid with Martin for shouting across the restaurant that he's now got a, a food truck and calling it a taco truck. Yep. But he wasn't. He wasn't mad at all. No, because know? he knew like that was the type of relationship the three of them had. They could that do the that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, but and it took Carl getting out of his head. I'm a chef, mm-hmm. and that the the food truck was a step down to realize how amazing that experience is and yeah. that being your own boss is fantastic, you know, and, and, you know, doing what you want, even if it's not, you know, in a restaurant, which of course a chef wants to be in a restaurant, Oh, you know, yeah. uh, it, it, 
you know, it, there's so many things like that where, you know, I, what, I, I, I'm drawing a blank at the moment. But, <laughs> well, you know, if you're a baseball player, you want to play in the major leagues, not in the yeah, minor leagues. Yeah, yeah. Or, you Absolutely. Know, bad example, but you know what I mean. Well, there's a moment early in the film that kind of sets up that, that he is willing to do what he needs to do to fit the moment. Um, when he's first at the farmer's market with his son and they're, mm. he's looking at stuff and the kid's like, can I get some kettle corn? He's like, why would you want kettle corn? It's just carbs covered in sugar. Here's this. And, the, right. and then just smash right. cut to them eating kettle corn. Eating he's kettle just, corn. He's yeah. just shoveling it in his face as yep. he's talking to him. And yep. what's great is like, there again is that kind of shorthand in filmmaking where now, even, even if it doesn't occur to you at the moment, later on that mentality plays itself out because he, again, he talked about when he's in the car and he's like, yeah, well, uh, you know, your mom thinks I should get a food truck. And the kid's like, I like food trucks. He goes, I like food trucks. Who doesn't like food trucks, but I'm a chef. Right. Right. I work in a restaurant and now, and work in a food truck. Yeah. yeah. And then later on he realizes, no, working in a food truck probably isn't the worst thing. And so, so it's sort of built into his character already. And we get little, little hints at that, which mm-hmm. I like, I like those payoffs. So that, that's a well-written yeah. character. Um, yeah. And what was so, kind of cool too, is they, they showed a couple, I don't know if it was intentional or not, but it was interesting that two of the places that come up as places that Carl loves for food mm-hmm. was the beignet place, uh, yep. Cafe du Monde in, in New Orleans. And the, I forget the name of it, but the, the barbecue place in Austin. Yeah. Neither one of those are, you know, the traditional restaurant they're not the sit down you know dress nice yeah they're not fine dining no they're basically a food truck without the truck Mm -hmm. yeah i mean they're a window that you order at and you sit down outside you know it's essentially a food truck that doesn't move yeah and those were the two places that jazzed him up the most Mm -hmm. were the beignets at cafe du monde and then I can't, God, I'm making myself hungry again, but that brisket, oh, <laughs> that oh, that, eating. oh, that brisket, yeah. oh. which by the way, the guy, the brisket guy absolutely had to be a brisket. He was not an actor. No, he, he was, was the only person in the movie that really couldn't act. No, he's that... gotta be the guy that owns that place. That is actually, um, and I, I will find it, uh, but that is an actual place in Austin, Texas that the, the barbecue figured, place, yeah. Franklin's barbecue in Austin, Texas. And it was, okay. um, uh, I think it's Andrew Franklin is his name, um, and he okay. they they do routinely, uh, regularly sell out of all their brisket by noon every day. That, oh like gosh, it just, I'm, I'm salivating. <laughs> they yeah. just they can't keep it going. And brisket. and you look at like they they and I'm pretty sure they shot that at Franklin's Barbecue, and you're looking at that pit, it and it's just sense. I mean that's amazing. Yeah, it would make sense. Um, but yeah, you're right. That was definitely uh, that was. That was another one. I didn't even think about the fact that, yeah, those, both those places are just stationary food trucks. Yeah. And, and it's that yeah. simple. That was the other part of it was when he came to the realization to do the food truck, he was like, let's keep it simple. And then if you notice too, his, his menu evolved as they went across the country. Mm-hmm. Yep. So they started out in South Florida and it was Cuban fries or it was Cuban sandwiches and yuca fries. And, and the yuca fries, yeah. And that was basically it. And then by the time they get to New Orleans, they're adding in po'boys and beignets. Yep. And then they get yep. to Austin and they add in. So back when once they got to LA, they had this cross country menu of yeah. five or six very simple things. And that's mm-hmm. it. That's all they did. That's brilliant. I, I love yeah. like that. Like those are the attention to detail things that that take this from being, oh, that was a cute movie to I want to watch this again because now I've got so many more things I can look for and look at. Yep. Yeah. Um, 
I de- yeah. I, I've watched this movie at least half a dozen times. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be watching it more for, for, for certain, like on a regular basis. Because this is I a just movie that it. when I start to have, um, when I just, I, I own my own business. Um, okay. I, I started my own business a few years ago. Um, and it's just me. I, I work by myself. I, I own a home inspection company. I, I'm a home inspector. Okay. And, you know, there are times where, I mean, often I think like, oh, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, you know, and, and I get career depression career mm-hmm. anxiety you know just I, I feel like you know it, um i've kind of done any everything i could do like i just i'm at a stationary plateau and you know i get yeah just get yeah get down get depressed about it this movie and especially that line that you played at the at the top of the show when he's talking to to um oh gosh, what's the kid's name he's talking to his son um yeah what is his son's name uh percy percy and, you know, saying like, you know, you know, this is, this is me. This is what I do. I'm good at this. Everything mm-hmm. good in my life has come because of this. And I'm not saying that everything good in my life has come because of that. Like I've, I've only been doing home inspection about five years now, but I've been in construction again, since I was 13. Right. You know, I've, I've been doing it for how old am I? 28 years now, 27, 28 years um, in various aspects, whatever. But this, this, you know, movie, that mentality kind of recenters me a bit and it's like you know yeah it's i can i can keep going like yeah you know i'm not going to be doing this exact thing for much longer. there are certainly things i want to be doing more i have aspirations to to more to other things but um you know i i often use movies as a pick-me-up mm-hmm. and this is one of my definite pick-me-ups movie pick-me-ups where you know when I'm feeling down and I'm I'm literally like sitting here at midnight writing reports and I've got to wake up at 7 a.m. to get back in my truck to do another 16-hour day of inspections. And it's like, oh, God, I just don't want to do this anymore. And I fire up Netflix, put on Chef, and, you know, it, it, yeah. And the music, too, the music alone. Oh, oh God, I love oh. the soundtrack. So, so we're going to talk about music here in just a second, but I do have to nice. – I just want to double up on what you're saying. That is the thing that I took away from this movie is – it is a positive movie yeah. without being like cloying. And it's also not uh, sure. super, super heavy handed. Like it's just, it's a, it, it's a feel good story that doesn't have to be someone overcoming the odds to, or, you know, something like yeah. that. It's just like a guy yeah. and some, some shit happened to him and, yes. and a lot of it was his own doing. And then he dug himself out of it because he realized what he liked and he got back to what he liked. And that, that is perfect uh, kind of comfort food movie. Yes. And, and that's my movie, favorite kind of movie. Yeah. And in you only find him in these indie food. films. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Well, you only find him in these. And it's because I know. think in these indie films like this, they can they can get away with and do a story like that because it doesn't yeah. have to be, it doesn't cost a lot to make and it doesn't have to make right. all the money. It doesn't have to make $180 million. Right? Yeah. It doesn't have to make $200 million in its opening weekend. It can just yeah, right, kind exactly. of be out there and do its thing. So, right. you know. Yeah. Movies uh, like um, Safety Not Guaranteed. I don't know if you've ever seen that. Yes, I have. That kind of fits into that. It's, you know, it's, it's a different story, obviously, mm-hmm. but it kind of, you, know, you feel good at the end of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I love that. I, I love that movie. Absolutely love that movie. Um, one that's very different different very different because it's actually a lot more 
uh, quiet, very quiet. One of the quietest movies I've ever seen. And not somber, but serious. But at the end, you do feel good. I mean, it's it's a it's an impassioned movie, especially mm-hmm. towards the end. Is a, a movie called Here, H E R E. Okay. Here, it's um Ben Foster. Okay, I like him. Nobody else you would you would recognize in any way. Um, he plays a guy who works for a satellite mapping company, a GPS, basically a GPS company. His job is to rectify satellite telemetry data to make sure that there's no errors in the data versus the actual on-ground measurements. So he's okay. a one-man survey crew, and he's rectifying these satellite images and, and, and GPS telemetry. And he's in Armenia. Hmm. He just randomly meets a girl and they just have a very realistic, like five day relationship. I think it ends up being, and I don't want to give too much because honestly, I want you to watch the movie. It's a phenomenal movie. I love this movie Hmm. when it it was on Netflix for a time. I watched it probably six or seven times before it got off Netflix. Wow. And then I think I actually rented it. I, I wanted to watch it again so bad. I rented it on Amazon prime. Um, that's I love that kind of movie that you just feel good at the end Mm -hmm. and it's not yeah you don't feel like you just got dropped off a tower like you know (laughs) your your heart's not pounding like it just it's a it's not bubble gum it's just a good story yeah I mean well and simply and you can you can have a film that leaves you feeling good at the end that doesn't need to have a horrendous event in it to be the catalyst like the worst Correct. thing that happens in this movie is he loses his job because he right. blows up at someone. Right. Like that's that's the worst thing. There isn't a death. There isn't some sort of traumatic event. There isn't right. this horrible relationship uh, or or event that causes a rift in a relationship. It's just, and that I think is is such a huge testament to to this movie and movies like this where you can tell a story, you can get emotions out of it but it doesn't have to drain you at the same time. Sure. Yeah, so exactly. That was great. And fantastic music. And, and, oh, and so good. When, when food is your focus of the film, you have to have some more of sensory input, right? Because films, yeah. sensory input are visual and audio. Well, mm-hmm. food has a visual component, sometimes has an audible component, but it's really about smell and taste, and you can't get those through in a film. So right. the use of music... Hey, with the the foley on the on the on the food oh no you heard the sizzle and and in the chop the christmas of the vet christmas crispness that's a tough (laughs) word vegetables yeah no yeah you're right yeah the foley work was great in this and then the use of music was great in this i love when movies use music well that's one of my that's one of the reasons why edgar wright is one of my favorite directors because that dude knows how to use music and sound in just amazing ways. And this movie is a different, does it in a different way than like an Edgar Wright does, but still very similar. You have your music, because music is so regional and so location specific a lot of times, Mm -hmm. food is the same way. So the music when they were in Miami and when they first start out with the food truck is very South Florida, Cuban influenced. And the music- Yeah. And then the music (laughs) morphed just like the food truck and just like the menu was morphing as they went across the country. So they get to New Orleans. Now you're hearing that New Orleans jazz. They get into Austin and they're parked outside of a uh, 
a blues festival that's going on and that yep. blues artist that's playing like the music in this was so good throughout yeah. the whole thing i loved it just yeah. bar none like it, it's the kind of thing where i want to go out and find a bunch of the songs and just make a playlist and have that mm-hmm. when, I, when i just need some some good background music like yep. just some good kind of feel good i'm gonna work on something have some music going yeah and um, they even managed to mix in um the specials which was like yeah. crazy how a british you know ska band mm-hmm. fit so perfectly in and i think i think that was when they were in between in between florida and new orleans i believe i think so i mean you got something like that you got al green on the soundtrack with tired al of being green, alone yeah. like yeah. yeah al green i'm in oh what what were they singing in the truck they, oh oh uh when i get that feeling yeah that was uh <laughs> sexual healing yeah. yep sexual healing they sounded good actually singing it they, <laughs> they actually did. sounded it wasn't pretty too bad. good that was that was a cool scene and then percy's sitting there like like he's like oh like <laughs> you that, can see the awkwardness on his face like oh, oh gosh my dad's talking about sexual healing <laughs> so the stuff in the truck what i loved about that was that was the bonding moments where yes. here's the two of them singing and percy is so uh, feeling so awkward and so weird and then you just watch it morph on him over the course yeah. of it to, to where he starts laughing and then my my absolute favorite scene in the whole movie, just because it just made me laugh out loud, was the cornstarch. Oh, gosh, where they're driving yeah. out of Florida oh, yeah. because yeah. like Percy sort of half wakes up and sees <laughs> sees Martin with the thing of cornstarch. He's just dumping it down the front of his pants. He's like, "What are you doing? Putting cornstarch yeah. in my huevos?" Yeah, he's <laughs> just like. And then and then the reaction <laughs> when when he wakes up, yeah, he wakes up Carl and Carl's like, "You putting cornstarch on your nuts?" <laughs> can I get some? <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, but yeah, it's just that was so good. There were so yeah. many good moments in this movie. Uh, Leguizamo yeah. kills it throughout so the good. whole thing. Yeah, when he was impersonating uh, Sofia Vergara, that was great. <laughs> oh, I, I miss you so much. Oh, I love that. You <laughs> I know, love and, you. <laughs> and we haven't even talked about now. Amy Sedaris shows up for one scene. She's the publicist. Um, mm. and that yeah. was one of those. I was like. Huh, that's a good get, you know, to throw yeah. in there as a little cameo. And sure. then the other the other cameo, uh, we haven't mentioned yet, is Robert Downey Jr. Sure. And uh and obviously him and John Favreau work well together. They've worked a few times together, yeah. so so that's that's cool. But he was that He was gave, amazing. He was. And and that was amazing. That scene to me felt like a you got RDJ there for a day or two, and you just mm-hmm. let him, you just set him loose. And the two of them That's just ad libbed yeah. through that whole thing because it's only yes. Favreau and Downey Jr. That's it. Yes. They're, they're basically the two of them, and then the for 30 seconds, the, the secretary. The secretary, right. And he's just that weird eccentric, like he makes everyone wear booties. Mm-hmm. And they're, they, they're apparently not even cloth ones, they, they, they must be like a, like a nitrile glove almost because everyone's, no, slipping. they're even worse than that. They're oh, even worse than that. So are these like are vinyl? these are ones that come up in my profession pretty often. Oh, so yeah. homeowners will often have those at the door because they want people to put them on. They are incredibly cheap, disposable ones. They're kind of like the ones that surgeons wear okay. uh, and doctors in hospitals, but much worse. I mean, mm. like the Walmart version. They are the worst <laughs> thing in the world. So I I am I I I I think I have probably 20 pairs of <laughs> heavy duty with nitrile, um, uh, like coating on the base. That's what I use on my boots. 
because okay. I'm not going to wear those stupid blue <laughs> things. Because first of all, I, I've got a size 12 shoe. Mm-hmm. They tear before. I can't even get them over my boot. Oh, like, yeah, I... there's no stinking way. Um, but it's like people, yeah, I've, I've watched my clients like slip and slide on floors. Like, that's no <laughs> joke. They suck. I had one actually was an agent I was working with. And I knew her well enough that it was okay that I laughed at her because <laughs> I've known her for a long time. She's steps because it was a wood oh. you know very well polished because they were trying to show it off because they're selling the house set of mm-hmm. steps and she was wearing the booties and she slipped and went down on her butt and oh. like i said i've known her long enough i i, I laughed um you know we have that relationship but uh <laughs> yeah if it was my client i wouldn't have laughed at them but uh but yeah those things suck but his when he's talking about the carpet He's like, yeah, I got a carpet in here. You know, people are slipping around like it's a skating rink. And uh, Fever is like, well, you, you know, you, you can just not make him wear the booties. Can't do no, that. Can't do that. Nope. Can't do that. Dude, no, Downey was... was so good in this. Oh, well, my gosh. N- nobody does that kind of stream of consciousness jump from subject to subject thing like he does. There's Back something with the way he yes. does it. And it was so good because you've got him. It's very much Tony Stark, Happy Hogan going on there. Because you got, you got RDJ's just going a million miles an hour, and Carl can't keep up with him. He doesn't even know what right. they're talking about at one point. He's like, yeah. so is this the carpet the, thing or the... The carpet or the baby. The baby. <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? And his, and his reaction, his response is just, well, I'll let you figure that out. <laughs> it's so good. You, you, you have to imagine that there was, I think, yeah, there was a framework. This mm-hmm. is point A, this is point B. Just have at it. Yep, and they just... just go. They just did just that for a while, and it was funny. It was great. It was great. Like, this movie is amazing. the perfect balance. Because this this isn't a comedy in the sense of, you know, it's not a Mel Brooks comedy. It's not a slapsticky, um, gonna-make-you-bust-a-gut type of comedy. This is, and it's not a dark comedy, right? I almost no. wanted to equate it to something like In Bruges, but that's a dark comedy version of what this is, which is a movie that's going to make you laugh at parts. There are definite right. funny moments in this movie. It is a it right. is a comedy, but it is a drama comedy. It's a drier, uh, more subtle type of comedy. It's it's kind of it. Yeah, it's in a re- very unique kind of yeah place milieu. It's it's not. I mean, in Bruges is a good is a good uh, good comparison. Taking out of course the the murder aspect right. of yeah. in Bruges and the falling off of a tower and landing <laughs> on that beautiful cobblestone street mm. but uh yeah there's not a lot of movies like this and that's one of the reasons i love it so much mm-hmm. is you know it, it's just a good movie yeah you know it's just it's yeah it, it, it's not violent it's you know there's no sex scenes there's no like you said there's no uh no tragedy that occurs nobody died that then you know the arc changes and he has the food truck you know or yeah nothing i mean there's like so that. many movies that do that and there's nothing wrong with that no, but this movie no. doesn't do that you know it's almost like um what is the name of that actually i think it's a netflix movie with um um ant-man oh um, paul rudd thank you paul rudd and um selena gomez and um the kid that's in that um amazon series red red ridge redstone red oh i think i know what you're talking about i haven't seen it um it's fairly new not happiness not guaranteed the chat room's probably gonna get it probably paul rudd is his like care caretaker yeah yeah yeah. Oh, oh the fundamentals of caring 
Okay. If, yeah. the, if the chat room gets it in a second, I beat you. I'm just saying. Because <laughs> nope, it you, didn't come you, up on the screen. I'm looking. You got um, to it. Yeah. Fundamentals of caring. Yeah. That, you know, kind of has the same, kind of the same vibe in a way. Mm -hmm. Um, a lot more swearing, of course, but it starts with the tragedy. The mm -hmm. reason well, it doesn't start with it, but it gets to the tragedy behind the reason why Paul Rudd was a caretaker. And that is a gut check moment. I was mm -hmm. in tears. I'm not as I was in tears in that scene when they showed, you know, and I don't want to ruin it for anybody because we're not talking about that movie, but <laughs> you know, as a father, oh my gosh, dude, that kicked me hard. Hmm. Um, right. And I'm glad that Chef didn't do that. Didn't yeah. have to. Yep. You no, still was... got to that same feel good at the end without the gut check. Yeah. And, and honestly, I don't need every movie to do that to me. I don't need to be gut checked no. and everything. I want to just no. be able to enjoy myself. And I definitely did with this. So yeah. I want to say thanks for, okay. for finally getting me to watch this damn movie because yeah, it was absolutely. a long time coming and it was worth every minute of it. And I'll be watching Dude, it again I soon for movie. sure. Yeah. And there's a couple of things you have to do too now. Um, and, and, and so have you ever watched the YouTube show Binging with Babish? Oh, absolutely. Love it. Uh, I watched that quite okay. a bit. I've actually, I saw the episode with Roy and John Favreau of Binging with Babish a while ago, like without on having binging seen this with movie. Babish, though. Yeah, yeah, on Binging with Babish. So you haven't seen the episode of Chef with him on it? Not yet, no. Okay, because I think that was before them going on Binging with Babish. Got it. Okay, okay. I will have to check that out. There's, I, I'll just say because it, it doesn't ruin anything, it doesn't spoil anything. But if you look at, if you watch Binging with Babish. He's got some really cool tattoos. Mm -hmm. One of the tattoos he has is, is of that, a fork with the, pasta. Yeah, the pasta fork. And I, I saw That's where John, that. yeah, and I saw where John gives him the fork. Gives him the yeah. fork. Oh. Yes. Dude, I, I mean, it was like the simplest thing, but like when he handed it to him, I'm like, oh, I got chills a little bit. Like, that is incredible. <laughs> yeah, that was such a cool like, moment. Yes. So great. Yes. Yes. And you could see a genuine appreciation on mm -hmm. both of their parts like just it, it was it was both ways it really yeah. it was very cool very very cool which played back to the fact that you know john favreau had the chef's knife yep. on his forearm yeah and it was the knife that he was using yep and what's cool about that is all those tattoos were fake because he doesn't have any actual yeah. tattoos um yeah. but but it, did they look good they did <laughs> for they fake did. tattoos Wow, Boy, they look good. That's a makeup. Some movies do not get that right. No, no, they don't. And that is a thing nope. in movie makeup that has come so far. Triple is... X is an amazing, amazing example of how they don't get it right. Mm -hmm. His tattoos look terrible in Triple X. You could basically see that it was a Sharpie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. That, and, and once you've had tattoos, you notice that kind of stuff too. Like it's so much easier to tell when someone's got I'm fake sure. tattoos versus not. Yeah, I'm um, hoping to get my first one soon. Actually, in the next couple of weeks. It's uh, it, once you get it, it's Slippery like slip, right? oh yeah. no, once you get one, yeah, yeah. You, you just, yeah, you, no. you, oh, I'm you, planning to do a full sleeve. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like that was a that was another one of those uh, attention to detail things. A lot of pro chefs uh, are tatted up. They have a lot of tattoos. Many of them do. I believe it. And and so that was yeah. something he wanted for the character. So that was really cool. No, this was a this was a great movie. Um and I had so much fun with it. So thank you for bringing this to me. Now you were just recently uh a contestant on America's Next Top Podcaster season 3. Yes, I was. was on season 2. 
So yes. uh, you are actually the first season three contestant to come on to my show. Um, I've had oh, most. Get out. Yeah, I've had most what? of the contestants from the first two seasons and almost the entirety of the, the people that work behind the scenes on the show as well um, oh, cool. on at one point or another. I've had, uh, and for those unfamiliar, America's Next Top Podcaster is a podcasting reality competition um, created by and hosted by Brian Ibbett. Um, Hammond Chamberlain does the production on it. Monica, who has been on this show uh, several times, uh, handles social media and wrangling everybody. Um she was in season one. Uh, in fact, in our chat room, Danny Ora is the winner of season one, um, is, is in our chat right now. And, uh, oh, nice. and, and it's a great show and I have made so many great connections and friends yeah. from that show. You were on season three. Um, so uh-huh. if, if you haven't listened yet, go listen to season three. Cause that was, it was a good one. And, um, and it was a fun experience. Well, fun. It was definitely an experience. It's an it experience. <laughs> yes. It's an experience. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's an experience for um, sure. But uh, do you have any other things that you're working on that you'd like to talk, tell people or where can they find you? Yeah. So I've, I'm, and part of the reason why I jumped on uh, America's Next Top Podcaster is I've been on a bit of a hiatus with uh, podcasting, not for any reason other than the fact that. I made a terrible decision to uh, start my own company and have our second child in the same year. Oh, um, yeah. yeah, it was an awful, awful decision. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I have no time ever. So unfortunately for me and podcast, I've been podcasting for I, actually, this is my 11th year now. I started podcasting in 2010. Um, so that was a big thing for me. It was getting, getting back on the horse basically. Nice. Um, and this is the first podcast I've done since ANTP because yeah, I have a little bit of a little bit of PTSD from getting voted off. You know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie that yeah, that happens. I was kicking the pants. Yeah, I was yeah. kicking the pants. Yeah, Justin, man, he got me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he definitely. I, I love Justin though. He's Justin's he's great. Every everybody really involved in that show is great. Uh, Dusty White in oh. our chat room was on season two with me. Um, okay, nice. So nice. Lots of yeah. lots of connections there. Um, there are. And that leads me to what I'm doing these days because uh, I've actually got two projects in the works and I've got one I just need to resurrect. It's a, a solo mic show. But um, the one most uh, closely connected to this episode of, of this show, in fact, is Dusty O'Connell, season okay. three contestant, my teammate on AMTP. He and I are starting a, uh, starting a podcast specifically about food, about food science, food chemistry, um, just a geek out love of food show um awesome tools of the tools of the trade he works in restaurants that's what he does so it's going to be a deep dive on on restaurant tools the differences between what you have at home versus what's in a restaurant why things are different you know uh, when you make them versus when they're made at a restaurant um, you know, latest in food science things, you know, gastro um, type stuff to food history, where things have come from. Just an all out geeking out of food. Um, Very basically cool. chef movie in a podcast, essentially. <laughs> I like it. So, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So that's uh, that's going to be coming out from he and I soon. And um, Audi, one of my other uh, fellow uh, teammates on AMTP, Audi Norman. Oh, yeah. Norman? Audi. Audi yeah. Norman, yep. Actually, he I, I and I do a show together. I was mixing his Twitter handle with his name, <laughs> yeah. and it was throwing me off. Yeah. 
um, he and I are doing a show um, that's we're yeah we're, we're getting ready to spin it up very shortly about uh, we both have children of a similar age. I have a 13 year old daughter, five year old son. He has seven year old twins mm-hmm. and a four year old. Yep. If I'm remembering that correctly, that sounds about right. Yeah. So the show, the premise is all around um, basically bringing up kids uh, as geeks, as you know, uh, you know, getting them into into geek stuff, into Star Wars, into Marvel, into DC. How to do that? When to, you know, when to let them watch certain Marvel movies, or what's a good you know transition into that? You know, with Star Wars, do you you let them at my five year old watch? phantom menace or eh, maybe start them off with clone wars you know that kind of thing okay and just basically you know that dad factor around uh, around geek stuff you know comic books books gaming you know my this big thing with my son and i we right before we went to bed we were playing lego marvel superheroes Very you know cool. we we probably got 50 hours in that game together <laughs> um over you know months and months and months and months and months of, of playing it but um you know stuff like that just how to to bring that love of geeky culture stuff, you know, just all this. I mean, you've got to, you know, Star Wars. Is episode two? Yeah. Behind you? What yep. is, yeah. Episode two. I mean, look, it, you know, mm-hmm. geeks of a feather, right? But yeah. How do you bring that to young kids? Because it's not always the easiest thing. You know, there's a lot of violence. There's a lot of language. Yeah. There's a lot of things that, like my five-year-old, very sensitive to violence. Very sensitive very very sensitive blood like he cannot stand seeing blood on screen mm. so things that are like you know rated tvy7 like I, I have to watch it first because there's a lot of things that he really does not like and you know and he, he'll say like, ah scary and like he turns around like he doesn't want to see it and i love that but i also want to share this stuff with him right you know so it's it's we're we're going to be kind of exploring that together and bringing other parents on and like how they've kind of brought their kids up in, in these kind of things and when they introduce them to stuff and um, that kind of thing. So that's, that's uh, another one. And that, so I don't we don't have a name nailed down yet for the one with Dusty and I, the food one, but um, for Audi and I, uh, it, I just, I love the name so much. I, I got to say it's, it's going to be called please geek responsibly. Nice. And that's going to be, I like it. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Audi yeah, so is, we're, we're Audie is great. He and I do a show together. Um, we're we're on our mid season or mid mid year break. Uh, we'll be spinning yeah. it back up soon about Highlander. Um, yes. And uh, yeah, Audie is Audie's oh, wonderful. Why did, why did I say that when I started talking about Audie? I'm sorry. Of no. course I knew that, but yeah. No, that's I'm all sorry. Right. Um, but great. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I'm looking forward to listening to both of those. Um, yeah. And when yeah. you get them when you get them spun up, let me know. Um, and I'll I'll, I'll plug them here. I'll plug it all over Twitter, yeah. whatever. Um, and then the third is one I already did. I just got to get it going again. It's uh, lyrics undercover, which okay. is uh, it's actually uh, a Brian Ibbett show. It's it was one of his shows that he produced years ago, and just everything with Coverville and TMS, you know, the morning stream, it it just got away from him. So he actually basically put out a casting call to people to apply, and uh, I ended up, you know, rising to the top in that. And and then yeah, I I hosted it for oh gosh, I don't know, I probably good 18 months to two years i was doing it and then um and then it, a lot of like a family thing kicked in and then mm. starting the business and you know my son being born it just completely sucked me dry of any 
extra time. I don't, I don't know what extra time is. I have no idea what extra time is. No, once you have um, kids, there is no such thing. Because my wife and I tag teamed and, and <laughs> you know, I started the bedtime process with the five-year-old and then she took over. So, uh, but yeah, so Lyrics Undercover, all, it's a music show. Um, all, it's kind of like VH1 behind the music for one song. Okay. Um, kind of a deep dive, like behind the lyrics, behind the cultural aspects to the song, why it came out, when it came out, the meanings. Uh, cool. that kind of thing kind of t- kind of take a little like a sideways like kind of come in it come at it sideways kind of deal it's really fun i just got to get back to doing it i've got no excuse at this point i just have to get back to doing it so that'd yeah, be the you third know, project it's, i i keep petitioning for a 36 hour day but it keeps getting denied so be, you know until we can get be, that because i mean yeah. i don't have kids and i barely have time to do all the stuff i want to do so once, time time is the um the currency that none of us have enough of that's true that's true. Yeah. Speaking of time, so if you want to be, um, I record I record the show uh, live um, and I stream it on Twitch, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. And you can hang out in our chat room like Danny Ora, Nisbet, Dusty White, Gray Lioness, um, Locutus uh, is in there too, my old roommate. Um, and, you know, yell stuff at me. Tell me how I need to watch The West Wing um, because I've never seen it and Nisbet and Gray Lioness will not leave me alone about that. But uh, if you want to be part of that, you can come hang out, twitch.tv slash TV's Travis. Um, and the show uh, comes out Wednesdays, uh, anywhere that you get podcasts. If you do listen on somewhere like Apple, um, you can leave a rating and a review. That helps out making the show more discoverable, uh, as well as just spreading the word if you want other people to hear it. And um, if you have ideas for stuff that you think that I should see, you know, hit me up on Twitter. Twitter is at TV's Travis. If you've got a movie idea or if you've got somebody you think I should talk to, um, I am always open for suggestions on new guests. I love having uh, new people all the time and I like bringing people back too. So if you had somebody from a previous episode you'd like to hear on the show again, let me know. Um, I've had everybody, uh, everybody that's been on my show is always welcome back anytime. Vincent, that includes you. This was a a ton of fun. Um, I had a great time. And yeah. uh, maybe we'll get you to watch uh, watch a movie next time that you haven't seen. Um, so I, yes. in, instead of watching Chef for the twenty fifth time, I I'd probably get to do that before <laughs> the next time I'm on. Honestly, yeah. yeah but uh, <laughs> um, now that it's back on Netflix, because it was off for a while. Oh, that it was off yeah. for a good year or two. Well, that was that was handy to have it on Netflix for me today. But mm-hmm. um, oh, we kind of did. I, I, we can't, I I meant to bring this up, but you know, we talked about Iron Man too, mm-hmm. and then. Oh, John yeah. Favreau, Scarlett Johansson, and Robert Downey Jr. all in Chef. Yeah, I didn't even mention Scarlett Johansson. She's yeah. she's in it for just good. a little bit. She was. She yeah. was small part, but a very good part. Also, uh, you know, you want to you want a good relationship. Find someone that looks at you the way she looked at Carl cooking. Yes, because yes. that was that was somebody who was just enraptured with that person. Yes. in that moment. So yes. Um, yeah, that that look, that's not something that's easy to do on camera. No, no, it's that not. That look. Completely different kind of movie, and I don't mean to sidetrack us because we are at the end, I apologize, but Carrie Mulligan, the look she gives Ryan Gosling in Drive, mm. in the first half of Drive, before it becomes one of the bloodiest movies ever made, in the first half of Drive, the way Carrie Mulligan looks at Ryan Gosling yeah. is that. Yep, you're right. You that's... fall in love with her by the look she's giving to Ryan Gosling on camera. I think that's a movie I need to watch again because I I came out of that not loving it. And it wasn't even so much that it had a, a tonal shift. Like I, 
I don't know exactly what it was about that, but I came away okay. from it like, eh, it was all right, but maybe I just need to watch it another time. Because I haven't seen the it since I saw the it in movie, the theaters. I saw it in a theater with my nephew. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking to myself at the beginning, like the first half, I'm like, God, my wife would love this movie. I need to come back and see it with my wife. And then, um, oh, what's her name? Oh, the girl from Firefly. <laughs> yep. um, Mal Reynolds' wife. Yep. When she gets shot point blank with a shotgun, I'm like, nope, not bringing my wife to see this. <laughs> no, that <laughs> movie only, takes a turn. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that went, I mean, and I knew nothing about that movie going into it nothing all i knew was ryan gosling was in it and that's because i saw the poster as we were walking in <laughs> like my my nephew picked the movie i used to go to the movies like all the time with my nephew mm-hmm. and knew nothing about it and then i'm sitting there i'm like yeah this is great yeah my wife would love this nope <laughs> yeah she has not seen it and i have no interest in even trying to get her to watch it no that is that is a select group of that is a select subset of people that would get enjoyment out of drive um for yeah. sure yeah, it's a movie. It is. It's a movie. It is. I imagine the same type of people would like uncut gems. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I can see that. I hated that movie coming <laughs> out of it. And I didn't hate the movie. I hated the way the movie made me feel. Mm-hmm. I think that might be part of it, is that Drive made me feel weird. Like, like it just, there was something about the way it made me feel that I didn't like. And right. maybe that was by design. I'm not sure. Um, maybe. Hard to say. But it's now, uncut gems. Yeah. You can't come out of that feeling good. Well, no. and <laughs> There's and, no feel good in that movie. No. Good Lord. Uh, speaking of a movie that actually does make you feel weird when you get done watching it, usually that feeling is confusion. Um, but next week, I'm going to have on, uh, my guest is going to be Jay Ledbetter, and we are talking about Brazil, written, uh. written and directed by Terry Gilliam, starring Jonathan Price from 1985. And that is a movie that definitely makes you feel things. Um and we'll talk yes. about it when when we'll talk about it next week. But it makes you feel different things depending on which cut of it you see, because that movie famously has yeah. a very odd different cut. So if you want to hear about that, come on back next week, because um, Brazil is one of my uh, one of those touchstone movies for me that it, it has a a very special place in my heart because of uh, some of my own personal history with it. So wow. I'm looking forward to talking about that next week. Um, and then after that, we uh, we get into August and Cage of Palooza 2021, a month of Nicolas Cage films. So Are you serious? Oh yes, every oh, August man. for the last two years for the this will be the third yeah. year running. We do nothing but Nicolas Cage movies for the month of August. And are these pre-bankruptcy Nick Cage or post-bankruptcy? I'm just making money to pay back the they, lenders, Nick Cage. They are. It stars Nick Cage. That's it. It stars Nick Cage, okay. and somebody is seeing it for the first time. So we have seen Vampire's Kiss. We have seen mm-hmm. Con Air. We have seen The Trust, uh, Wicker Man. Um, the Trust was a very small one. It had uh, Elijah Wood. Really? Nick Cage and Elijah Wood? Mm-hmm. Holy crap, yeah, I got to look was, that up. It was a, a weird kind of little dark comedy slash weird thriller. I don't know exactly how to describe it. It was a strange movie. Um, it's kind of best in those dark yeah. comedy. Mm-hmm. Strange thriller, Matchstick Man. Yep, that's actually coming up this I year. I love Matchstick because uh, full disclosure, I have not seen Matchstick Man, and and I'm oh so my God. it's Nick oh, Cage, it's Sam Rockwell, and it's Ridley yes. Scott. And the fact that yes. I haven't seen it is is a, uh, yes. a it is high on my list of shame. So I'm fixing that this year. Uh, so that's what's coming up. Um, 
Well, Vincent, this has been a ton of fun. Definitely, anytime yeah. you want to come back, uh, we'll do it again. Uh, anytime. Yeah, All righty. I love it. Yeah, this was great. Well, uh, as I like to say every week, um, enjoy your movies and be excellent to each other. There's been weight you haven't seen. good is in the morning you could dip your nuts in oil and make hush puppies diamond club hopes you have enjoyed this program <laughs>